Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another edition of Bill's Talk Live with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. And we are... Live here at about 1.05 a.m. We're taping this. Uh, we're live on uh, Facebook. Uh, but if you might be listening to this now live on Facebook, you may be listening to it on one of the podcast networks uh, or podcast applications that you subscribe to. Uh, Bill's Talk with Matt Perino. We got to get Ryan's name on there. I'm working on it. Um, that is available on Apple, Google now, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify and uh, Acast. So definitely subscribe, rate, and review if you're hearing us there. This is a big day for the Buffalo Bills. Um, uh, because yesterday was a day filled with angst and waiting. Uh, without a first round pick, everybody was playing Stefan Diggs highlights all day long. Uh, and then you get to today and all the potential options. And I think it was Adam Schefter. It was that tweeted out earlier this afternoon that uh, he's talked to some NFL front office folks. Uh, that told him this is going to be the deepest second round uh, in a long time. And then, you know, this, it starts to play out. You see a couple offensive weapons uh, go and you get to, um, you know, I'd say in the forties and you start to see the amount of talent that's still on the board. I mean, what are you thinking there, Ryan, when you're, you know, some of the names that haven't gone yet. And even when you landed 54 and some of the decisions that Brandon Bean had to make. You know, it's interesting. Uh, last night after the first round, I put together a second round mock draft from 33 to 54. And it, as I was doing that, I was looking at every team's needs and all that. And by the time I got to Buffalo's pick, I said, wow, there is so much talent on the board right now. And obviously I knew every pick that I went, you know, that went before that was wasn't necessarily going to go in that order or be off the board. I was blown away uh, last night when I was putting it together with the amount of talent that I knew was going to be there for Buffalo in round two. And I think it felt even better for them in the actual draft where you're getting closer and closer to that pick. And and as you get into the mid forties and the, and the high forties, you're saying, I hope Brendan Bean doesn't try to trade up because someone's going to fall directly into his lap. Just like last year at Oliver fell into his lap number nine, but this is completely different. This is pick 54, and you grab a player who, in the very beginning of the draft process, people were scoffing when you suggested A.J. Epineza could fall to the Bills at number 22. So to get him at 54 is just a tremendous, tremendous value. And sorry, looking down here uh, on the live stream, uh, trying to share it out so people know that we are live. So you can watch it live. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. Just search Buffalo Bills on NYUP. That's a, usually a good way to um, to find us. 
but in terms of AJ Epinesa, uh, you know, a couple picks before, I thought that, you know, the big target, even with Epinesa still on the board, because I think like you mentioned, I never really thought it would come to that point where he would last to 54. I think in, in Dane Brugler from the athletic, his latest mock draft had him going at 36. Uh, so I thought somewhere in the forties, somebody would maybe, uh, reach a little bit Houston, maybe going, uh, at, for a pass rusher. And it's funny, uh, we, we saw some other pass rushers go ahead of him in that uh, 40 to 50 range. One of them, uh, Daryl Taylor, which, you know, he's kind of Seattle traded up uh, to get him. He's, he's, he's a high upside guy that I think people are still, you know, wondering what his fit's going to be at this level. But obviously Seattle saw enough at him uh, to make that move as Ryan's cat attacks him, looking <laughs> like a, a miniature uh, Zach Moss over oh, there. Yeah. Um, so, I think, um, you know, you look at, at this pick, and I mentioned uh, Tr- Trevon Diggs, uh, the, the cornerback, goes a couple picks before the Bills, and he's somebody that I really had tabbed. And then as we're getting to that pick, and it's made, you're sitting there like, okay, A.J. Epinesa is going to be there. This is a guy that I know uh, from conversations I've had dating back to the Combine that while I don't think they were probably expecting him to be in play at 54, he was he was pretty highly ranked on, uh, you know, uh, on their board internally i mean brandon even said it tonight uh that you know they had uh, a pretty high grade on him so you know some of the things that they like about him let, let's get to let's move to that part of it and if you have any questions on the, on the live stream here please feel free to to mention them whatever you'd like us to talk about but i think i want to get into what aj epinesa brings and and why they're so excited about it because you know one of the things you find obviously the uh, the combine results uh, weren't as good as you probably want. The 40 time was really slow. Only one guy in the top 40 uh, defensive ends ran a slower 40 time. Um, but Brandon even said, I'm not looking for a track star. I'm looking for a football player. And he needs a guy that's going to do his 111th. And in this case, his his uh, his one fourth or his one his quarter uh, on that defensive line and and help rush as a unit and be a good team player and you can hear it from everything that he was talking about today um on his on his press uh, uh video conference you know i want to come in i want to compete uh obviously has a chip on his shoulder because you know he did have to watch 53 other guys go before him but he's you know everything out of his mouth was team first mindset and and that just fits in i mean these are the culture kind of pieces that brandon and sean like to keep kind of inserting uh, on this roster you know, the first thing that stuck out to me about Epineza, uh, even early in the process, was the the height, was the weight, was the wingspan. The, the Bills look for certain measurables in all three of those areas when you're talking about edge rushes, or, or even if you go back to uh, the the defensive ends that McDermott had with the Carolina Panthers, and they're all bigger guys, closer to that 270, 280 weight, um, maybe in the 260s, and Epineza checked all those boxes and tremendous wingspan uh it doesn't have the the track speed but technique that's his that's his game that's how he wins and i just think that he checks so many boxes for the bills that you know it was probably an easy decision for the team <laughs> can't knock something i hear bud um when they got to pick number 54 so i just think that everything kind of added up and worked in Buffalo's favor there. Now I would have loved to have seen what would have happened if Diggs had been on the board as well at that point, because then I think it would have been a really interesting uh, conversation and a decision for this team, because I still think cornerbacks a sneaky need, but I do think edge rusher probably uh, was a little bit higher on their draft board in terms of a need. But yeah, in terms of what Sean McDermott likes from a defensive end, 
Uh, Epineza really does check all those boxes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Brandon also added uh, in his uh, press conference when he was asked about you know need versus uh, best player on the board in these early rounds, and he said, "Listen, even with the work that I did in free agency and after drafting us Epinesa, if tomorrow a, a guy is standing out that's an edge rusher that can get after the quarterback, I'll, I'll draft three more of them because you, you you can't have enough of those kind of guys." And and I think Epinesa is a guy that is going to come in here and a work hard, which that's the first thing that you want to see in a guy. Um, going back to the combine, having the conversations uh, with him, you could tell the work ethic kind of popped pretty early for them. Uh, and, and how he handled all this uh, this process. I mean, for a guy to have to sit there and watch in January mock drafts where he's going middle of the first round, um, you know, mid to late first round, to all the way now where he has to, you know, pretty much uh, you know, swallow his pride a little bit and 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 go late in the second round. Um, his attitude, I think speaks to why they're so excited to have him in the room. And I think that, you know, I wrote it in my, uh, seven thoughts on a grade that we posted, uh, to the website, nyupinsyracuse.com. You can head over there and read that, uh, now, um, this could mean trouble for Trent Murphy because, uh, obviously the bills can save $8 million by cutting him and moving on. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily anything uh, else pressing uh, to spend that capital on. Uh, but it's something to keep in the back of your mind if there's a move to be made, because I don't I don't think at any point Bean's going to sit on his hands and say, my work here is done and this roster is where I want it to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're going to, I mean, who knows if there's going to be an NFL training camp, but I think at, at worst you bring him into training camp, you see what he has, you make sure you stay healthy at that position. And if you are healthy, getting closer to the regular season, well, then maybe you try, you know, you, you part ways with him, however that may be. I, I don't know if there'd be much of a trade market for him. Brendan Bean mentioned he's not looking to trade him. I'm not sure the market would be there for that. But one way or another, he, he is on the hot seat all of a sudden. And, and I like that you said earlier that Bean said that if there's another uh, defensive end or an edge rusher there that we like and he's the highest player, we're going to take them. You know, we, we saw that already in this draft. We saw the Raiders go back-to-back -back wide receiver, literally back-to-back -back with two straight picks. We've seen the Patriots take two tight ends in this draft already. It, it's just following your draft board. If a Bradley and I is high on their draft board here and he's there on day three, which he's there right now, uh, maybe you go that route just because you can never have a, a, enough pass rushers especially when you have a Sam Darnold and a Tua uh, and, you know, to a lesser extent, a Jarrett Stidham, because uh, I still th I still think they're going to do something there. Maybe oh, I'll yeah. be wrong, um, and they will really roll out with him and Hoyer and some rookie that they pick up tomorrow, uh, but I, I still think that you have a Cam Newton that's in play or a Jameis Winston somehow, some way. Um, so yeah, being able to get after the passer is so important. So I, I wouldn't mind if the bills did end up taking another, uh, edge rusher at some point in this draft. Yeah. I see, uh, you know, if you have a comment, leave it in or question, leave it in the, uh, uh, below here and we'll, we'll definitely try to get to it. Uh, we'll be here for another 20 minutes or so to talk, uh, day two of the draft. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking here and, you know, there was a lot of, um, excitement around the idea of a running back in round, in round two. Uh, there was a couple, you know, if you look at the top five, I think any one of them landing uh, with the Bills would have really excited the fan base. Uh, not that Zach Moss 
hasn't. And I think we'll, we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins was the one guy that was left on the board. It was Cam Akers that went before pick 54, which I think a lot of people thought, you know, he might be a, a trade up option in the third round. I even thought that even with the, the hype around his name. Um, but we did see four running backs go off the board before the Bills selected at 54. J.K. Dobbins was still at the uh, on the board. Let me ask you, comparing to what they ended up getting in addition to Epinesa, waiting till the third round to get Moss, the difference between a Moss and a Dobbins, and, and I think the, the value of adding a guy like Epinesa outweighs what I think the upside with a Dobbins, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. I did have Dobbins higher than Moss on, on my little running back rankings, but it really wasn't significantly higher, believe it or not. I had Moss in a tier that was actually above A.J. Dillon, another guy that went before Moss, and, and I really liked his game. I liked his fit for this team. So to be able to get him a, in the third round and then add an Epineza uh, in, in round two, that's just tremendous value for the for this regime, for this front office. And for this team now, did the Bills have to sweat it out a little bit to get Moss? Absolutely. Luckily for them, there weren't really many teams from 80 on that needed a running back. But you just never know in this uh, in the NFL who's going to do what. So but they made it interesting. I think that uh, he was probably the last one that they would consider there in the third round. Maybe they liked Evans enough out of Appalachian State to go that route if, if Moss had been taken. But it ended up working out for the Bills. Yeah, so m- moving to this, the uh, third round pick, uh, Zach Moss. You mentioned uh, you had him ranked pretty high, considerable, considerable to uh, some of the top guys in the in the class. And it's, you know, I didn't do a lot of due diligence on him because I, I really was convinced that you know the Bills would maybe take a, a day three flyer on a running back as opposed to addressing it here. But what this tells me by the Bills going out and getting. Uh, Moss in the third round is that they feel their roster is at a place where they're happy with it tells me that they're confident in the cornerback group that they've assembled because Cameron Dantzler was on the board and uh, he he ended up going a few picks later and that was a guy that you know we talked to several you know draft experts over the last couple weeks Ryan Wilson um, uh, from CBS Sports but it was actually Chris Trapasso from the from CBS and John Ledger which we talked to on Wednesday night who both kind of sang the praises of Cameron Dantzler and his potential fit in the zone scheme with Sean McDermott. I thought that that could have been a nice option there and go running back later in the draft. But I think that that also speaks to me that, Hey, okay. We think that we're maybe one piece away in this running backs room from having a really potent one, two punch. And Brandon actually said that Zach Moss was uh, higher on his board than the spot that they got uh, him at. So what was happening was he was starting to make some calls and the problem was to trade up to get Moss. That's how bad they wanted him. The problem was the teams in front of him didn't want to move down. They didn't want to trade down and get out of their picks. So he was kind of uh, uh, nervous a little bit. He said the pick was stressful. And so to get that kind of guy uh, with the proven track record of this regime now in three drafts, obviously the first one with just Sean McDermott, but some of the gems that came out of that one, you have to be really excited if you're a Bills fan that Bean got a guy that he was that high on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like he he had a, maybe a mid-third round or a high third-round grade on him, maybe even a late second. I'm not sure. I don't know if we'll ever know that. But it goes back to the best player available philosophy. 
Uh, Dantzler would have been a great addition to this team, but I'm assuming he had Moss a little bit higher. He probably sees both as as being positions that could have been addressed in this draft. But the one thing I'll say is there are still some intriguing cornerback options out there. Bryce Hall, uh, a guy that I thought could have gone on on night two of the draft, but that ankle injury might be pushing him down. Uh, Troy Pride Jr. out of Notre Dame, another guy that fits that zone defense. Uh, So, there's two guys right there that could be potential targets on day three for the Bills, and there's others as well. But uh, it might just speak more so to the depth and to the tiers of how they had these players because, like I said, Moss was up there among the, the better running backs in this class. We will talk a little bit about where we think uh, the direction is going to go in the fourth and fifth round and maybe some targets because Ryan put out a great piece today on on guys that he likes in each round. But I'm Moss as a complimentary piece. So this fits more the mold of a downhill runner in between the tackles. It's interesting. I thought that the descriptions of his play style and, and kind of what he brings to the table differed a little bit between Moss himself and and Brandon Bean, where Brandon kind of called him that one cut, you know, in between the tackle tackles physical presence, where I almost get the sense that um, Moss has a little bit uh, higher uh, expectations of himself and what he can do with the football. And I mean, you look at the production, uh, even though it was at Utah, uh, Pac 12 offensive player of the year, uh, in the Pac 12, which maybe is not as strong as the conference as some of these other big time, uh, conferences, but the production 1400 yards, 15 touchdowns on the ground, catch the ball a little bit. And that physical, you know, he landed in a really good spot to have the kind of style that he runs with because of the, the bills proven ability now with this regime. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny, this, this, the story came out about the Pagulas uh, this past week and about, you know, maybe some of the toxic environment that's going on within PSE, uh, the athletic put out that story. It was very uh, eye opening, but the juxtaposition of that is what they've done to build not only the culture with Brandon and Sean, but the performance um, improvement upgrades, the the weight room, the, uh, the the fitness areas, the rehab facilities, they really have figured it out on how to keep guys healthy. You look at all the guys that were injured last year that played through injuries, had surgeries after the season. Uh, Kevin Johnson getting through a full season uh, for the first time in a couple years. Um, you know, they, they're Trent Murphy, you know, he, he started. Uh, almost every game for the last two seasons coming off of a very serious injury. So I think that they have faith that they can keep him healthy. And not only that, um, he what Brandon Bean puts uh, names in red on his draft board if there's medical concerns. Usually drops him down a half a round grade or a round completely. And he said that uh, Zach Moss was, did not, was not red on his board. And you have to wonder if maybe the Bills did a, a thorough medical check on him at the combine because they didn't meet with him there. They were one of, the, I think, 12 teams that met with them. They did the Zoom conference call. Maybe they had medicals kind of sent over. Um, so I, I'm sure there is something that reassured them from that standpoint. And in terms of Moss and what he thinks he can be, you know, I'm sure he does probably think he can be more than that one cut guy. He did show a little bit as a receiver uh, last year and then in 2017 as well. But you know, when I was writing one of the articles tonight, I said, Devin Singletary can make you miss in a phone booth. And I said, this guy can run through the phone booth. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 you know, 53 force or broken tackles force last year. Um, just a guy that brings, he welcomes the contact. And, you know, he's going to have to be a little bit smarter about that in, um, 
in the NFL because, you know, that's how the injuries get piled up if you're going to welcome those hits and things like that on a regular basis. But I also like the physicality and, and the fact that he's almost uh, daring defenders to come after him. Yeah, so uh, a couple questions in here in the chat. Are you guys answering questions? Yes, let's open it up in these last 10 minutes for questions. And one of them I saw earlier and is is the direction that we think the Bills will go on day uh, three here. Uh, one pick in the fourth and the fifth, two in the sixth, and one in the seventh. Uh, I, I do really like that cornerback uh, position. And you mentioned uh, Bryce Hall as a target. We've talked about him in, in detail in the last couple podcasts. Uh, or specifically the last one, uh, you know, the super pod with Marcel and Joe B and John Scott. It was a great time. Go check it out uh, uh, where I told you earlier. But, um, you know, I think that that's the kind of guy that might have dropped down a couple of rounds because of the medical red flag. But somebody that even with that kind of jump down, you have some capital on day three. Maybe you can move up a couple spots if he falls even further if you really like him. Yeah, this is the time to go get Bryce Hall. You know, I thought he was still talented enough to take the risk on him in round three. But now that he's there on day three of the draft, uh, he's a guy that I would would not hesitate to trade up for and and to grab because from a talent standpoint, you're talking about a first-round talent, uh, a guy that was being talked about as a first-round pick before he suffered that ankle injury. So, yeah, it, it obviously has pushed him down to this point in the draft, but Here's where you can roll the dice if you're Buffalo. You don't have to force him onto the field as a rookie. You can go with that trio that you have with Levi Wallace, Josh Norman, EJ Gaines, and hope for the best uh, in, in 2020. And then you can get him out there more in 2021. I'm not saying just you know sit the guy and wrap him up in, in, in bubble wrap either, but you're not forced to kind of get him out there because of the depth that you've you've built for yourself in, in free agency. Mm-hmm. A um, couple other names here that we could throw out uh, as we move along. Uh, you know, obviously a linebacker that they've had contact with. That's you know they're, they're kind of forming a pipeline down to Miami. Uh, Shaquille Quarterman, uh, linebacker out of uh, Miami. He's somebody to watch in the later rounds. Uh, Antonio uh, Gandy Golden, uh, I think, is is another one. And and Ryan, you posted a story a couple of days ago that the you know the Bills have had some significant contact with him. He said he's talked to the Bills more than anybody else. Uh, how do you like that fit? Because from what I've read, he'd be one of those guys that you know get, can kind of do multiple things. Yeah, you know, I, I talked to a few people that were at the Senior Bowl that said that they thought he was just as impressive as Claypool and as uh, I'm so tired. I'm, I'm blanking on the USC <laughs> wide receiver uh, Pittman. Pittman, thank you, that he was just as impressive there against that top-level competition, uh, has the size. You know, I think he was about a 4-6 in terms of speed, so not a blazer by any means, but can get those contested catches as well. Uh, I like him a lot. He's actually a really interesting guy, and this has nothing to really do with uh, football, but just like all he does gym like taught himself uh i don't know if he taught himself gymnastics but the rubik's cube he's teaching himself guitar just a really interesting prospect one of the most uh one of those players that i i found myself like really interested in in learning about as i was going through this process but from a talent standpoint really good get in the fourth round uh he was a guy that i thought could have come off the the board in round three as well especially when you started to see some of the wide receivers that were coming off the board uh colin johnson i believe is his name out of texas Mm. He's another guy that might kind of check the boxes. 
Um, so there's options there at wide receiver too, if, if they want to go that route, um, later on, not a big wide receiver by any means, but, uh, Lawrence Cager from Georgia is a guy that they've done some homework on. So there's options there at that position. Quarterman, I, I like that you mentioned him. He's a thumper. He's a guy that I, that I could see coming in and contributing immediately on special teams as well. Um, there, there's still the offensive tackle Cameron Clark out of Charlotte that I really like. I think he could get pushed up as well. I was thinking fifth round for him, but I could see him coming off the board in round four as well. Uh, we are a show, uh, built for the people and run by the people. And, and they're talking about Trent Murphy. Uh, the people are trying talking about Trent Murphy in the comments right now. So we bet we better uh, hit this before we get out of here. And I think it's very interesting because Brandon was asked about it on the on the conference call about, you know, specifically by Joe Biscaglia, what this means for Trent Murphy and if they're going to allow or kind of look for him to maybe catch on with another team, kind of implying that they would cut him, uh, save to eight million. And and Brandon stuck to his guns and said, hey, you know, we're we're all about competition here. You know, AJ's going to come in here and, and compete. But the idea right now is to bring Murphy to camp and let him compete for a job. I think that there's a scenario that could play out. And as we get close, I mean, listen, we're so far away from football right now. It feels like it's hard to envision what everything's going to look like and get ourselves in that frame of mind. But I think that um, once we get to that point, somebody that might be more in danger is Daryl Johnson Jr., who had a really nice uh, rookie season for a seventh-round pick. But now you add Epinesa. Uh, and you know, depending on what happens with Mur- Murphy, he's still a guy that you know you can count on. Uh, you know, in a playoff game, he came and produced against Houston, and you, you, you tend not to want to throw those guys away or move on from those guys because uh, there's injuries. Uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are both thir- in their 30s, as is Trent Murphy. But you know, with that kind of older group, you're gonna need, you're gonna want probably bodies to throw at this thing as you move and, and, and kind of go through um, the season and, and who's to know what, what the level of uh, readiness uh, AJ Epinesa is, you know, has to transition to the, to the NFL game. We talked to Ed Oliver numerous times last year where he basically was like, listen, uh, I, I thought it was some hot shot. I was coming in here and I, I dominated Houston and I thought I was going to come to the league and dominate because, you know, I'm just, I'm just naturally good and, and gifted and athletic. And he got here and realized, hey, I, I need to be fundamentally sound. Technique is no joke. I mean, it's a game of inches. I, I can't tell you how many times he told me that this year. And so I think Epinesa, you know, there could be a learning curve there. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And, and you know, Daryl Johnson's going to be an, an intriguing player to watch. I'm glad you mentioned his name because he really did flash sometimes last summer uh, where where he really impressed a lot of the media members. He was a lot more polished than I think some of some of us realized. Because at seventh round, you thought, okay, raw prospect. Um, now, we'll see if that if he takes that next step. But he has to perform well with whatever shortened offseason we end up having here. Because he won't be handed a roster spot, you're right. But if he performs well enough to show, all right, he's improved from his rookie season. We're still seeing those flashes. I think they would lean towards him over Trent Murphy. Because Murphy's entering his final year. He's over 30. Um, while he did step up in the playoff game and in that season finale against the Jets, it, it's still this is a team that wants to have talented players um, that are on that are being paid low low wages, whatever. And he's on a rookie contract right now, 
So, you know, they might lean that way as long as he shows that he is uh, taking that next step from year one to year two. So Mike Love could be in danger. There's a guy that's on the roster as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but you're right. We don't know where Epinesa is going to be in terms of his development, if he's going to be ready to contribute in a big way as a rookie. Um, but Murphy's seat is definitely hot right now. All right, guys. Uh, it is 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. We are going to be back at it tomorrow. What time does the draft start tomorrow? Noon. Noon Noon uh, Eastern time. Uh, we will get back after it. We'll have so much content over at the site. we got a bunch right now, and I'll be writing into the wee hours of the morning, and we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, this has been the Buffalo Bills Talk with Matt Perino podcast live version. We're going to get this on all the platforms uh, uh, very shortly, so uh, subscribe, rate, uh, leave reviews on all the different platforms. Uh, it really helps us out. My man, go get some sleep. Yeah, will do. I enjoyed right. Bill's talk after dark. Yes, there it is. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys, have a great night, and we will be back tomorrow to wrap this thing all up. Uh, you know, th- three days. Uh, it's been fun so far. Uh, quarantine life has been very interesting. I don't know about you. I mean, you're dealing with your cat there. Uh, <laughs> I have the kids here, so it's been a fun time. But uh, yeah, it's been great. Have a great night, everybody, and thank you for tuning in.